Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Modern League Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Lavin, and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing this week? Good, good. I yep. am exhausted. Yeah, you're telling me. All right, so um, the craziness is over. So, well, kind of. So we'll be returning to our kind of normal... Um, format and everything here. So we'll start with promote, extend, trade, and this one is pretty interesting. I think also a little, a little uh, long. Going to be a little wordy though, so just kind of work with me here. So this happened in uh, 2012, and what is his name? Simon Sachs Kolberg Gotha was sworn in as the prime minister of Bulgaria. And on the surface, yeah, whatever, who cares? What makes this interesting is that in his youth, and he's an old man obviously at this point, you know, his youth was the late 30s, early 40s. But in his youth, he reigned for a couple of years as the czar of the kingdom of Bulgaria. And he's the first monarch in world history to regain political power through uh, separate means other than, you know, uh, coups and such. So that's pretty interesting, I thought. So it made me think of, you know, people that got second chances. So what sports figures are we going to promote extend trade here who got second chances and kind of uh, 
ran with them. That was going to be like what what <laughs> has has partaken in your favorite. Co- I was like, ah, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably more than we'd like to imagine. Let's let's not have this. Is uh, no, we're we're not going here. Promote Brandon Nemo. Oh boy. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. So first up is uh, Peyton Manning, who you know was really good with the uh, Colts and everything, and then kind of re re was reborn with the Denver Broncos. Next is Josh Hamilton, who had many troubles earlier in his career and then was reborn in Texas, won the MVP. And last and certainly not least is R.A. Dickey, who was not that great of a pitcher and then came to the Mets and became a really great pitcher and won Cy Young in 2012. I think Hamilton won his MVP in 2010. Something like that. Nine, yeah. And Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl or two? I don't know, but I know he's he really won one when he was old. Yeah. Like he was pretty washed at the time, ironically. He but, didn't do shit in that Super yeah. Bowl. He brought them basically to another though, right? He brought them like sixty percent of the way through that season and then his neck kinda said You're done. Yeah, Sheesh, yeah, I'm yeah out. we shouldn't be doing this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> then they had Brock Osweiler down the stretch. And then Peyton came back and was arguably worse than Brock Osweiler, which uh, tells you all you need to know about Peyton at that point. Mm. But their defense was um, yeah, it was this world. Pete yeah, Von yeah. Miller, Chris Harris. Did they still have a keep to leave at the time? It was it was good. Um, um, I think I have mine. Go ahead. Extend Dickey, promote Josh Hamilton, and fuck Peyton Manning. Agreed. <laughs> okay. Oh, Hamilton's terrible. Get him out of here. Really? You don't know it? Okay, look that up. (laughs) I know, I know the whole, I I was going to talk about how he had like an inspiring story of recovering from drug problems. Did he do other terrible things? Look that up and get Uh back. Um, Oh, indeed. Well, Peyton Manning also has his own. Yeah, look that up about Peyton Manning, too. Yeah, I know Peyton's an ass. (laughs) I was aware of Peyton Manning's. um, Josh this Hamilton. Happened, I assumed he was a piece of shit, but <laughs> this happened post career for Hamilton. I know I, he got caught like at what's the word? Um, relapsing, which is you know is what it is. Oh, no, good. I uh. Yep. Yep. Okay. Oh, now I'm gonna have to look. Unfortunate. Uh, so I'm just promoting and extending Dickey and calling that one a day. Yep. Yes. Yep. Praise be to Dickie. Yep. Mm. R.A. Dickey, mm. who has always seemed like a genuinely decent guy, was an awesome story in his own right. Well, that's disappointing. Later incidents. Personal life, later incidents. Let's see. Literally just read the last paragraph. Um. Yeah, not so great. I did not know this. No bueno. Oh, felonies. That's yeah. no good. That's the worst kind. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Literally. That that four home run. I was going to go on about that incredible four homer game in Baltimore, which is like one of my favorite non-Met baseball moments. And oh, well. Well, OK. His, Hardy, his, fuck you to Josh Hamilton as well. Yes. Yes. His his autobiography was good, at least. Or biography, whichever one. I forget if it was written by him or not. To him, ghost written by him or not. But oh well. All right. Um, 
So moving on, then we'll get to the affiliate performances real quick because wasn't really that much action this week. Uh, the All-Star break and the Futures game and everything it was an abbreviated week, and everyone just played three games on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, or in the FCL Mets case, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So Syracuse, they played the Worcester Red Sox this week. They took two out of three. And they are 42-51 and 51 on the season, eight and a half games behind the division-leading Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Binghamton Rumble Ponies, they played the Hartford Yard Goats, and they lost two games, with the third one being postponed due to inclement weather on Saturday. And they are currently 5-15 and 15 in the second half, also eight and a half games behind uh, the first-place team, the Portland Sea Dogs. And they are 33-56 and 56 on the season as a whole. The Brooklyn Cyclones, they played the Jersey Shore Blue Claws and they swept the series and they are now 14 and 10 in the second half, which is a half game behind the Hudson Valley Renegades. And they just happen to be playing those same Hudson Valley Renegades this upcoming week. So it should be a fun series. St. Lucie Mets, they played the Jupiter Hammerheads and they lost two or three games. So now they are an even 12 and 12 in the second half. And two games behind the Palm Beach Cardinals. And like the Cyclones, St. Lucie, they're going to be playing the Palm Beach Cardinals this upcoming week. So the standings might look a little different next week. Though St. Lucie already has that playoff berth from from winning the first half. So honestly, it doesn't really matter if they uh, win. Unrelated, but props to the Palm Beach Cardinals for having a genuinely funny Twitter account. In they a, do, yeah. In a in a landscape of very mediocre, underwhelming Twitter accounts for minor league baseball, they uh, do a good job. I mean, as when much guys as I hate to give credit to anything the Cardinals do. When guys like Scherzer and Degrom are doing your rehab, you know, with St. Lucie and these these poor people in Palm Beach have to play them. It's it's a wonderful bit. What, what can a, you do? Yeah, it's really funny. Bit. It's really funny. Um, last not least, the FCL Mets. They went one and one, and then had a game suspended, so they are 18 and 13 on the season. All right. Uh, so, with the trade deadline in like a week or so from now, the Mets being playoff contenders, the Braves breathing down their throats, a bunch of holes need to be filled. Mets are expected to be buyers in some capacity, and the first move was made a couple of days ago. And the Mets traded Colin Holdeman to the Pirates in exchange for Dan Vogelbach. And then in a separate move, they also acquired catcher Michael Perez, also from the Pirates, in exchange for cash. But that's kind of a whatever move because, you know, McCann's hurt, Nito is hurt, going to be put on the DL. And they just want to go with somebody else other than Mzeka or Nick Dini. And Perez has options too, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see him in Syracuse, I'm sure. But um, that's I think just they are, a, I think they already did option him. They might have, yeah. You want to hear the sad thing? He might not even be better than fucking Patrick Mazeka. It's he's he's bad. a better defensive player. So I don't can, not by baseball, not by the metrics. He's not. I would he's, just by like the appearance of it. <laughs> I mean, he's. I very good remember looking like he's a better blocker or something, but not a better framer. I don't know. Yeah, his framing is horrific. Yeah, yeah I didn't know this. Bad. I didn't know this. Uh, I was like, oh yeah, this seems like a good move. Even yeah, you got a an okay backup catcher for free. <laughs> 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 
Listen, you need someone to catch. It's still for free, so I'm, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like it's cash. It doesn't matter. Like I said, it's, it's a who cares move, more or less. But the main yep. one, obviously, is uh, hold them in for Vogelbach. So are you always happy, unhappy, neutral? I don't care uh, about Colin Holderman. So uh, I, I, I've long been fascinated by um, the uh, anomaly that is Dan Vogelbach. Um, I believe this is a uh, beefy boy friendly podcast. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm 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 cool with giving up Holderman for, for Vogelbach. I look, I love Dan Vogelbach. He's hilarious. He's legitimately good against righties. I also don't think that Colin Holderman is the second is a great asset or anything. But the Mets objectively do not have a ton of good relievers. Even if he's not a late inning guy, he's one of their few viable guys with options. Holderman, this is. And it also seems like they're still interested in Josh Bell, who's and and based on what the rumored returns are for is going to be for him, it sounds like going to be next to nothing. So yeah, yeah. I don't totally love this, but also I don't care that much because it's Colin Holderman and Daniel Vogelbach's fun. And it's just one of those like losses on the margin things that mm-hmm. I feel like better teams don't do. I feel like this is a win on the margin. Like I, I, I disagree with the notion that it's a loss on the margin. Mm-hmm. Like, like Vogelbach is replacing Dom Smith's like 50 WRC plus against whatever, against everyone with sure. a 150 against righties. Like that's a significant upgrade. Like even if they use him as a, as a pinch hitting like thing, or he only plays once or twice a week against righties, he's going to add way more to the Mets overall than Collins hold Colin Holderman, not striking out anyone in the seventh inning. When Epler said like his, I think one of the biggest things that makes this make more sense to me is Epler was like, there's a lot of relievers out there and not a lot of bats. So we're going to get more relievers than bats pretty much. So Holderman was going to be in Syracuse anyway. So I guess, I mean, maybe I should uh, really it's going to come down to kind of what Bell gets in winds up costing. Right. Like if if Bell goes for a song. And it and the Mets basically chose to. Let me back up, because I don't think I don't think it makes sense to roster all three of of Bell. Vogelbach. I I think it's pretty clear that they think they're going to get outbid for Bell. That's my take on it, at least. Hmm. We'll see. I mean, look, I, I I think this is like 10% suboptimal or something. I'm not going to – just not what I would have done, but Vogelbach's fun as hell, and Thomas is right that they desperately needed a DH upgrade, so it's fine. Yeah. And, yeah, it's it's it would suck if they're not going to do anything reliever-wise, but they clearly are, so I mean, they I were going to pro- replace Holderman anyway. The problem there is you do need optionable guys, though, and I don't think they have anyone I mean, that's – is is Nagosik or Medina worse than Holderman? They're the same. Yes. They're all the same player. I don't agree with that. I think Medina... I mean, I think Holderman's actively bad, so that's the difference between us. Like, I don't think he's good. Mm-hmm. Like, I was not impressed by anything he did in the majors. It looked fluky, so... That's fair. That was... That, that was a, that's the difference, I think. If you don't think it's real, then easily trade that. I'm very neutral towards this whole thing, but I'm leaning towards negative, not 
that they acquired Vogelbach or had to give up Holdeman. I just think that this whole thing is just us so unnecessary if they had called up Blankenhorn like a month ago. Oh, Vogelbach's way better than yeah, him. Yeah, I'm like the biggest Blankenhorn fanboy, but Vogelbach's definitely better. Not that I even disagree. Right. I'm not, I mean, obviously everything that Blankenhorn has done is in AAA. Right now he has 116 weighted in AAA, and that doesn't always translate into MLB uh, numbers. Obviously, that's a given, sure. But give him at-bats, give him time to play, and you see to yourself, hmm, okay, maybe this guy can hit righties. Well, I mean, that's that's true. Like, I don't disagree with that, right. but and, and th- that's a that, different fuck-up. Right. Well, I mean, the actual yeah. answer is Francisco Alvarez should be the DH. But yeah, well, I was just going to say. But they're not doing that. So, like, the actual answer is you Michael Harris, Francisco Alvarez, and you see if he could hack it. And if he can't, then you make the Vogelback trade. The, the, the answer is they should have booted Dom and JD. And I, and I hate to say right. this because I'm like the ultimate JD defender, at least among our group. They should have booted them off the roster a month ago and given mm-hmm. Blake and Hard and Alvarez a chance. Because there's a – let's be generous and say there's a 10% chance that Blankenhorn is actually good against righties. And there's a better than that chance that Alvarez is just playing good. And then suddenly you don't need to trade for a DH or whatever. So – Exactly. And then you can, if you want to upgrade, you could use Holdeman as a chip for something else. Why not? Like, I'm not attached to Holdeman. He is whatever. He is what he is. But it's just, it's annoying that it's like a failure of, not, I don't know. Failure is not really a, that's too strong a word, I guess. But it just, they've been getting no production out of like Escobar and JD Davis and Dom Smith, Janikowski a little bit to a degree. If a Blankenhorn or an Alvarez or whoever also gives you nothing, it's like, well, whatever. At least you have one less question going Correct. into going into August, going into September, when every win, you know, is is a big win. Escobar is all honestly already a platoon bat. He's so good. He's really good against uh, uh, yeah. lefties still and can't hit righties at all. Like, I think the, be... I think the problem there though is that you kind of need him to play third. I mean, can go McNeil, get Raphael McNeil? Devers or some shit, or get Xander Bogart so I can play third. I, I mean, again, yes. <laughs> no, like, like <laughs> I, like they should be shooting for the stars here. Like they have the fourth best record in baseball. Go try to win a World Series. Don't, don't mess around. You know. I don't, I don't know that the Red Sox are moving those guys, but also like, can, can McNeil really not play third base? It was real bad when he tried last We've time. We've seen it a few times now. I don't think. I don't know. I feel like just have the yips over there. He couldn't throw. Like right, but that the yips are usually intermittent. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if they want to risk it in a Mm -hmm. rate. You know what I mean? Like you know he's a good second baseman and could play left field pretty well too. Like so, why mess with it? Just try to get a third baseman from elsewhere or use Mm -hmm. Guillaume. I mean, yeah, yeah, but you, you, uh, the point is they should be tinkering more than they. This is this is a consistent complaint that we've had with the Mets over the years that they don't tinker, they don't churn at the roster margins ever. Like you watch the Dodgers or the Rays or uh, the Yankees do this to a lesser degree, I guess. Um, certainly the Astros, they like churn the bullpen, they churn the bench, and you you see what comes out of it, and sometimes you get something good, and instead the Mets just give. 400 plate appearances to a combination of Dom Smith and J.D. Davis. Not optimal. 
anyway, Volgabach is big boy fun. He's going to hit some long dingers. All right, so you kind of uh, mentioned it earlier, but the Mets are also supposedly involved in talks with the Nationals in a trade that would send Josh Bell and the minor league reliever to New York in exchange for supposedly a starting pitcher and an outfielder in the upper levels of the minor leagues. Um, <laughs> Who the hell are the Nationals yeah. asking for? <laughs> Basically, the, like this, we'll look at the starting pitcher options. They are very limited, just like outfield options, very limited. You have basically that are not completely terrible, that are not just going to be free agents, you know, next year anyways. Who cares? Um, you know, you have Garrison Bryant, you have Jose Budo, you have Thomas Sapucky, you have Jordan Yamamoto maybe, and Josh Walker, but he's injured. So, I mean, I'm assuming it's Budo because none of those other guys really have much going for them. If there was Maybe you could make a case for Yamamoto. If there, I don't think Yamamoto's too, like, new agey to be interesting to them. His fastball sucks too much. If there yeah, was, I like, would, a... I would say Puma tweeted two hours ago that Zapaki has drawn, inst- drawn interest from teams talking to Mets about trades. That's uh, probably not true. But also, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe that for him. No. I just want to yeah. say, do you believe that, that anyone wants Jose Buto? And then we're back to the fact that the Nationals probably have the worst minor league talent uh, judgment of any major league franchise. And maybe they do like Jose Buto and or Thomas Sapucky. They might. I don't know. Uh, it's possible. Change up only relievers, baby. Yeah. Well, like you would in a curveball only reliever, but whatever. Now, the outfield options, they are um, equally limited here. There's Khalil Lee, Nick Plummer, Jake Mangum, but he's hurt right now. Brandon McIlwain, uh, also he's hurt. So, like, I, I don't know. I would Jake assume, Mangum feels extremely nuts. Yeah, I know what to say. I would assume it's either Lee because he has more uh, time left on his contract or Mangum just because he feels like a guy that people would want. They do like the guys who can't, who have massive contact problems. Like they drafted Elijah Green, they drafted Brady House, they drafted Carter Keboom. Um, Victor Robles fits in this camp in a slightly different way, so maybe they like Khalil Lee. I could see them liking Lee. I could easily see them thinking Lee is like yeah. something they could fix, and then he goes and hits 210 for like four years in Washington while they aren't bad. That would probably be an upgrade to hitting 210. If 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 you could, I mean, this gets back to the Volgabach thing. If 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 the Nationals are legitimately interested in sending you Josh Bell for Khalil Lee and Jose Buto, a why haven't you done that already? And b yeah. why would you bother with Vogelbach? So my my working theory, and because this has been put in in articles before, is that the Nationals were kind of being assholes to the Mets. Sure. About I wonder if they came back around and were like after the Vogelbach trade and were like, hey, how about this instead? And uh-huh. made a reasonable offer. And at that point, you're not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. You're going to be like, well, the roster kind of situation here is messy, but also that's a bat you don't say no to just because you traded a reliever for Daniel Vogelbach. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you, you, you figure it out at that point. And I would rather the Mets get bats and figure it out than say, oh, we don't need Josh Bell or no, we're going to 
go look for something that might not exist, and then you're screwed at the deadline, and you have to do something you don't want to. Do. You know what I mean? I, I don't. I don't even disagree. Like at this point, they should do it. I think they just rushed for Vogelbach too much. Is my. Point. I mean, Epler said they rushed because they felt like the bat, the the markets for bats were going to be tough, and mm. the markets for relievers were going to be easy. Mm. So. If you feel that way and you don't really care about Colin Holderman or think that he's a high-end guy, you do it. You know, not to go back to that, but that was my—that's my working theory about this whole thing. I mean, what's even the bench at that point, right? It's assuming Bell's the starting DH. You have uh, whatever backup catcher. I don't care. Um, Vogelbach, Giorme, and uh, who? Jankowski, whoever. Yeah, I feel like you could get a better, like, go get someone better than, go get Robbie Grossman for free might, or whatever yeah. it is. They might, yeah. I can see that. Get Chad Pinder. I, I guess it's not awful because you can still leverage McNeil's flexibility and leverage Yorme's ability to play around the infield. Yeah, yeah, it's viable. It just sucks and, and that what, you never get... And what's truly the difference about it now with JD and Dom? Where JD can't really play third base. Oh, and oh, oh I think they should be absolutely looking for something that's more flexible than JD to acquire. Is no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. I mean, like, if you're gonna upgrade and they're better, way better hitters, mm-hmm. and the only sacrifice is the bench flexibility is kind of the same. Mm-hmm. I'll take that as fair. And then you beef up the bullpen and call it a day, mm-hmm. and play Guillaume a lot more than you probably want. But who cares at that point? Because the offense is better. It's just going to suck to be in a playoff scenario and I know, yeah. not be able to... You're going to be squinting at the lineup like, how can I possibly justify getting all three of... I mean, you play Josh Bell in the outfield. The Pirates used to do that. Uh, I mean, just get Trey Mancini and then do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, that be, might be a better option. I mean, Bell's the better bat, probably, but... Mancini plays the outfield. He still does. He played it today. I it's like, not amazing, but... I think I might be the biggest Khalil Lee fan here still, and I'd move him in the second for, for Josh Bell, even oh, yeah. with the roster problem. Oh, yeah. Josh Bell is like two years removed from being an all-star, and he's hitting really good this year. He's hitting like over 300, I think, still, right? So If he's not over, he's close. Yeah, he I is hitting me. 305, 385, 494. So yes, yeah. yeah. he'd be their best hitter. <laughs> if you also could another that for another Jose Budo, then hell yeah. Yeah. Another nice thing about Vogelback is he's not a rental. Like he has very mm-hmm. cheap team control until 2024. Like mm-hmm. so, even if he occupies a smaller role now to be a half DH next year, that's not the worst. <laughs> There's <laughs> also they've they've shown a willingness to like rotate guys in and out so yeah i guess i'm i'm less um concerned about the you know getting guys at bats they've, they've seemed to uh embrace you, you, you just wish it was yeah you, it was like you, i need one of them to have a half grade more athleticism so i can put one of them in the corner outfield oh, yeah. and not want mm-hmm. to gouge my eyes out yeah for sure i agree with you like it's not a it's not a great fit, but also sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Cespedes wasn't a great fit if you really look at it. Like he another corner outfielder, mm-hmm. and then they played him in center field in the World Series. It didn't work, but they had to do what they had to do. You've you you've swung me a little bit more. I mean, I was still in favor of it at the at our speculated price, and who knows if we're way the fuck off or whatever. But or if you I can get it. like yeah. Daniel Vogelbach. I, love, I mean, Vogelbach's a lot of fun. 
This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No details. All right. So the draft um, came and the draft went. And the Mets as all things do. <laughs> yes, as all as all things do. Obviously, um, you know the guys that they selected on the first night of the draft, the the, the first couple of picks: Kevin Brada, Jet Williams, Blade Tidwell, uh, Nick Morabito. These are high end guys. I don't want to say 100% will be you know in in our prospect lists and whatever else, but there's a good chance. But who are some of the Day two and the day three picks. So, you know, everything from basically round um, round three on. Who are, like, some of your favorites? For the Mets or for everyone? Oh, no, no, for the Mets. Okay. I don't care about everyone. This is a Mets podcast, Lucas. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> so we talk about trading for players from other teams. Yeah, like- um we talk about the Washington Nationals for 15 minutes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Truly a depressing Damn. franchise. All three of their fans must be very disappointed. Uh-huh. Um, Breaking mean, news, Co- Daniel Vogelbach can go first to third on a double. That's on a double. <laughs> he was, he was hustling. <laughs> I'm like 30 seconds behind you, this. so I'm sure I'll enjoy this in a moment. Joey Cora um, is going to send him on like a single and oh, it's gonna, no. it's terrible send. And I'm going to not even care because it's going to be. Funny. Can you imagine if Ke- not, not that if we're going way off track here, Steve, sorry, this That's is, okay. this was general. I think this was generally a good change to the game. I don't need to see catchers getting destroyed. Can you imagine Daniel Bogomak running into a catcher? I know <laughs> some poor schmuck behind the plate, just catching the ball. And you see Daniel Bogomak coming down the third baseline. at you. Oh. Wait, though, wait. Think about it. What happens if Dan Vogelbach got into a collision at the plate with William Sastudillo? Oh, my goodness. The space-time continuum breaks. (laughs) Yeah, no, we all die. (laughs) (laughs) There's one glorious moment of baseball perfection, and then everyone dies. Was that like how the Big Bang started, maybe? Yeah, probably. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, you're not kidding. He was hustling to go first to third there. Uh, the obvious name on day three is Jackson Lovich, who unfortunately they're probably not going to sign, which I think we've talked about before. But Lovich is, I think Lovich is as good as anyone they drafted in the top five or six rounds. Uh, I might even like him more than than Jacob Reamer, for instance. Uh, they could somehow pull that off. That'd be a coup, and and it would be one of the best value picks of the draft, I think. Yeah, I mean he's pretty good. And it's worth noting that they did they saved a little money on on uh, Jet Williams already. They saved three hundred thousand. So I don't know what Tidwell and Parada are going to take. They might. I mean Parada might eat up a lot of that money, but we'll see. Stranger things have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lovich is definitely a good pick. I think for where he was selected and everything, Jonah Tong could be a steal. Mm-hmm. Profiles very much like all of the prep right-handers that the Mets pick, usually like in the second round, the last couple of years. Woods Richardson, Josh Wolf, Kevin Ziegler. And they took him in, what, the... Seventh eighth round, seventh, seventh round, right? Eighth pick, seventh round, or ninth pick? Their ninth pick. Slot value is two hundred twenty-five thousand. I mean, um, they have to buy him out of his commitment to North Dakota State University. Mm-hmm. That might be difficult yeah. because it's produced such luminaries as Justin Fletchlock, Reed Feffenstein, <laughs> Jeremiah. Pep- Jeremiah Pepcorn? You've never heard of Jeremiah Pepcorn before? That is an 80-grade name. Yes, I just went to Baseball Ref to see who ever came from that school. And there Did was he a couple play in the dead ball era? Or? Uh, he could have if he wanted to, I would think. The name like that. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, I don't know if they're going to have to go crazy over a slot to get him. And, you know, there's a lot to like. Mm-hmm. Someone was very high on the guy that got out of Georgia, whose name I cannot ever remember. It's... Well, that's mine, so perfect segue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Dylan Ross is his name. Uh, he He's like a bigger dude, uh, like 6'5", 250. And like, the reason why I like him is he would have went higher, but he had Tommy John, and he he's barely – he missed all of last season. So you're basically betting you're, – you're, you're doing the, the Anthony K thing, and like um, I think they did it with somebody else. Oh, JT Ginn and all that stuff, but you're doing it in the in the thirteenth round instead of the first or the second. So you're the the downside to it of oh his arm injury washed him is very uh it doesn't really who cares because it's a thirteenth round pick. You know what I mean? Right. right. Like if if he was if it was a second round pick and you're losing all like you're kind of putting a big risk out there with that. But if it's so late in the draft, who really cares? So that's why I like it. It's a nice risk at that spot. Test out your new um, Tommy John rehab practices on a 13th round pick instead of Dylan Wesco <laughs> at 14. Exactly. And dude has a crazy, uh, uh, from just you know researching who he was to write up his, his profile and everything, dude comes from a crazy family. So his, his grandfather played football with the Falcons and the Detroit Lions in the 70s. Okay. His uncle played with the Brewers. Uh, he was drafted in 1997. He played with the Brewers, and then he went to Japan. His other uncle played professionally for uh, about a decade, um, majors, minors, and Mexico. 
he has a cousin who was from the drafted at the University of Georgia and he played with the Mets system with the Capital City Bombers and Pittsfield. And then he has another cousin that he's playing with right now at Georgia. And ironically, um, they both <laughs> they both hurt their arms at the same time, which is weird. Yeah, some good good uh, athletic genes going around in that family. Yeah. And you mentioned that he's tall. And obviously, yeah. yeah, another guy that I think everyone has to like and appreciate is Paul Gervais, because I don't know if he'll be very good or not, but he's he seems like the kind of guy that it's just hard not to root for him. Mm-hmm. 6'10 side armor, didn't really stand out in high school, just kind of got a spot at a small D3 school because the coaches needed someone to pitch. And his high school coach gave him a good recommendation, played at a bunch of JUCOs, and he just kept getting better and better. And he was, he eventually became the uh, closer at LSU. And I looked up the Met, last time the Mets drafted an actual, like, decorated closer from big time school. And it was Eddie Coons. Riley, <laughs> Riley Gilliam. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really, like, yeah, from Clemson, right? Yeah, you could take two Riley Gilliams and stand them up, and you still Riley, not Riley Gilliam wasn't even six feet tall. No. Two Riley Gilliams equal one Paul Gervais. Any other standouts for you guys that you like for sentimental reasons or because you just think they're going to be really good? We should have mentioned uh, 80 grade Zebulon Vermillion name, of he, course. I, I was going to say, yes. Of course. <laughs> uh, he's also kind of like um, an ode to the old Mets guards, you know, <laughs> philosophy of, of gigantic guys who don't throw all that hard. <laughs> um, so, yes, th- there's a lot to like there. I also like Tyler Stewart from uh, Southern Mississippi. He's like a He's also a big guy, like 6'9". He's a turbo sinker dude. Um, and it's it's one of those, like, small school producer guys who are who have big stuff. And those guys are interesting because you can kind of mold them a little bit more. Because Southern Mississippi's coaching staff is probably not as good as where he's going to go. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he's not at LSU or he's not at some place where, like, he's getting the best uh, – available to him it's just that's how life works and um it's interesting to see if you could kind of take a guy with interesting stuff like hard fastball and turbo sinker stuff and turn it into something yeah don't disagree <clears throat> another guy kind of in that vein dylan t break from creighton but i don't really think he's actually really that good just based on his stuff and everything. I don't think he's bad either, but he doesn't really see. He seems like the kind of guy at the Mets be like, oh, you know, looking at the numbers, but you look underneath the numbers and it's just kind of, hmm. But obviously now that he's a Met, we want to see him, you know, dominate and everything. So here's the fun part now. Let's assume that... Every single one of the guys that the Mets drafted sign. Odds of that happening? Slim to none. It could happen. I mean, it almost happened last year. They had 19 of 20 guys and, you know, Rocker being the only failure there. Pretty pretty glaring. Right. (laughs) 
but had that you know not gone horribly wrong, they would have been able to sign all twenty of twenty guys. They also did not use um, they did not draft properly in those later draft picks, so that was a reason why. But anyway, though, assuming everybody signs from this draft class, what would your midseason you know because we are pretty much exactly at the midseason point. What would your midseason top ten prospect list look like? Who <laughs> wants to be brave and go first? I feel like I should go. I feel like my I should save my spicy takes for for last. Someone else who okay, uh, I can go first. Mine's pretty, mine's pretty ho hum. Obviously, Alvarez and Beatty one two, and uh, Harada and Jet Williams three four. Um, I still have Ronnie. Five, just because I'm not, it's no one else has played, uh, and it's hard to, for me, I kind of, I don't want to always put guys who haven't had a professional pitch yet or a professional game on the diamond yet over guys who have just because it's a different ball game. Uh, so I have Viento six that might switch. I'm, I'm not married to that. And then I have Alex Ramirez. Then I have, uh, <laughs> Blade Tidwell, Calvin Ziegler, and Javier Atencio rounds out. Atencio is the kind of surprise, I guess, but he's been really good. And um, let me get his numbers up. In St. Lucie, he's been in eight games, seven starts. He has a 2.14 ERA, struck out 44 in 33 innings. And his like peripheral stuff is pretty interesting, too. So that's uh, going to be a name to look at type of guy and a guy to keep an eye on as he rolls up through the system and he's he's a 20 year old so he's pretty young he throws a full mix yes that's why i like him too he he has a lot of he has a lot of things that he throws already um Mm -hmm. and he throws them in games you know he's not just doing this he's not overpowering younger hitters on one or two things like he has a varied um arsenal which is my favorite uh part of his game and it makes it easier too when you're that young and you have options. If something mm-hmm. doesn't work great, obviously in game you can switch things up a bit. And just in a broader sense, when they say, "Listen, your slider's better than your curveball," just scrap your curveball. Yeah. You're not really, you know, limiting yourself or removing an, a, a weapon that you have. Yeah, and even game to game too. Not even like in a full development cycle. Like he might go out on the mound and not have a slider feel that day. But mm-hmm. if you're a two pitch pitcher you're screwed and <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're just throwing fastballs and shitty sliders. But if you have multiple stuff that you could throw, you, you could kind of bank it for a day and you see that in the majors. Like that's why two pitch pitchers are rare because mm-hmm. there's very a thin line for error there, but I like him and he's a young pitcher too, which is always nice. And they don't have a lot of those. So. Right, I'll go next, I guess. Um, very similar. Alvarez at one. Beatty 2, Parada 3, Williams 4. Then I have Vientos at 5. I have Tidwell at 6. Ramirez 7, Mauricio 8, Consuegra 9, Brandon Sprout at 10. And it was very close between him and then Ziegler, who was technically 11, but it could be 10 and 10A in my book. I'm just, I don't know. I don't want to say I'm done with Mauricio, but... Oh, we could. You should. We should wait to have that talk there. <laughs> That's true. All right, Ken, who do you got? 
So I went with uh, Alvarez, Batty, Parada, Williams, uh, Alex Ramirez, Mauricio, Vientos, Tidwell, Ziggler, and then uh, Matt Allen. You know, I, I did a dream, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we still haven't heard anything about how that rehab's going. Yep. Yeah, That's I don't how ex- you can infer how it's going. Yeah, yeah. I don't expect him to pitch at all. If it was going well, Tacoma would be telling us. Yep. Sad. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to kill Mauricio yet. Um, but Ramirez has made uh, strides, I guess. Yes, Steve, I like the Consuegra, uh, the Consuegra call there. That's a fun one. Yeah, I was. I thought. Uh, I mean, I, I I went to see Cyclones over the weekend. Two out of three games. Ramirez is insane. And Consuega, I like just looking at the Statcast numbers from St. Lucie. Like the guy hits the ball really hard. Like really, mm-hmm. really, really hard. He hits the ball how harder than Ramirez does. <laughs> yes, he does. Very, very, a lot harder. And you know he plays a decent enough outfield. Um, obviously Ramirez gets center field because he's just the better player. But I was talking to Jared and I was just like, I don't think that the difference between the two is really that big. And he was like, this yeah, it, it's so really funny. Different. I had literally the same conversation with Jared. Well, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Like I was, cause, and, and, you know, they're batting, I forget who, like Matt Rudick is batting in between them for some reason. I don't know uh, why. Uh, well, well. <laughs> but yeah, you got to give Rudick his at bats, but but yeah, like it's he is a you know he's a little he's like a year older, twenty twenty, just turned twenty two or he's twenty one turning twenty two whatever yeah but something like that. It's not that old for the level. I mean we need to take into account that things kind of got weird with St. Lucie in Brooklyn with the elimination of all you know with the elimination of the Appalachian League and the New York Penn League and everything. So I mean he's age appropriate and he missed you know so much time like he's been around forever but he's missed so much time that developmentally like he's still i think behind his peers so he does have room to you know continue getting better and i kind of had prospect fatigue with him almost yeah no i did too i did too like i was almost like oh he's still around and then he's been good and i was like well wait maybe i should just not do that like i had to almost force myself to to get over it because he's only 21 like mm-hmm. he's, he's not like 28 year old stanley consuegra trying to pack <laughs> it and think like you know what i mean like for real though like he's a kid still so all right lucas let's let's get some spiciness all right here we go i will admit uh, a couple of the decisions I made here were purely for spice, but I do sincerely believe most of this. Alvarez Beatty, no arguments there. Williams, then Parada. Um, if the data on Williams is as good as it is rumored to be, I think he would have been a consent. I think he's basically Jackson Holiday, minus the shortstop defense, and Jackson Holiday just went first overall. Um, I do not care that he is short, really, given the purported exit velocities he's posting. He hits the ball super hard. Um, love the athleticism. Like it's, it, There's the tools there to be a plus center fielder in the future. 
Um, and yeah, Parada's bad is great, but I think that the, the like 90th percentile outcome on Williams is higher, and I'll, I'll take that swing. Um, this reasonable. one is slightly in the name of spice, but I, I do genuinely prefer Williams to Parada very slightly. Um, it's reasonable uh, and defensible. Mm-hmm. Uh, fifth, I have Ramirez. Sixth, I have Consuegra. Um, and speaking frankly, if I trusted that Consuegra would stay healthy for more than two months, I might put him above Ramirez. I think Ramirez makes some questionable swing decisions. I think those are exacerbated by the weird hand load he has, though it's gotten better. Um, and the exit velocity and, and, and bad ball distribution he has is not great. Um, it's not horrible. And his, and his, and his decision issues aren't Ronnie Mauricio level bad, but those are some red flags. And I think Consuegra does a lot of those things better. Um, hits the ball harder. I think he, I mean, the strikeout rates won't tell you this, but I think he makes generally better decisions. Um, it's just, I don't know how much you can trust him to stay healthy given the track record. Um, so that's six, seven Tidwell, eight Vientos, nine Ziegler, 10 Sprout and no Ronnie Mauricio. Is he 11? I didn't think about it further. <laughs> he might not be. Oof, I, is he, I, is he... I, I think he's. Were I a hypothetical major league GM, I think he's worthless. I do not think he will ever hit at all. I don't care what other skills he has. His on-base percentage is 280. In double A. In double A. That's not viable. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't disagree. Obviously, it's mid mid season right now. So he could go on an absolute tear and change things. And that would be that would be good. He also might not even be in the organization in two weeks. Well, yeah, I mean. A lot could change here in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a very uh, fluid situation on this podcast. But I also really like Sprout. And I know you had him 10th as well. Like. Mm -hmm. The consistency is is an issue, but when he's and and you could say this about any number of pitchers, when his shit is on, it's uh real good. Yeah, it's like you can't teach velocity. I mean, you can to a degree, but that kind of velocity that he has. The slider, I think, is real good yeah. too when he's commanding it. Now, can he consistently do that? I don't fucking know. Maybe, but if you can, if the Mets can find a way to to focus it, um, I think you got some something there. That's why he's in the minor leagues and not in the major leagues. Yes. Um, I should probably have it up in front of me here. Our lists from last year. Prospects of 22. Here we go. So we would be basically replacing in the top 10. Uh... Matthew Allen, for the most part, except for Ken. JT Ginn, obviously he's traded, so the uh, Khalil Lee, gone from the top 10. And I don't think anyone's going to dispute that. Nick Plummer, yeah. gone from the top 10. Again, I don't think anyone is going to dispute that. He started so well, he's just fallen off a cliff. Yeah. Since speaking of falling off cliffs, number 10 would have been Jalen Palmer. And, uh, Oof. 
and he might not even make the list. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. Like we at the game yesterday, like we were, he Jared was like, has this has this guy made like has this guy had any competitive at bat over the course of the entire game and the one that I saw prior, and he really hadn't. I don't even know if he made contact. So anyone can anyone guess Jalen Palmer's strikeout rate in Brooklyn this year? Probably like thirty five. Thirty six point two. Forty six. All right, it's forty point nine. Four. If it starts with a four, it's four zero percent. Four zero percent. Yeah. Is it? So I would say like. Is it worse no than? How, oh, sorry. No, no. I was gonna say no matter how we slice it between these guys, like there's a lot more talent in the system. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, like even like Morbido and Sprout would be like around eleven and twelve ish for me. Like those guys can sneak in. Like. If if they play and do things, you know what I mean. Like that's some way, people really like Rhymer. Yeah, like um, there's some stuff I've heard on Rhymer, and he, there's a lot of interesting. There's a lot more interesting names now. Even uh, there's a few guys who've taken step forwards, like Alex Ramirez has and um, Consuegra has. So it's in, it's the system's in a way better place, and that's what happens when you draft a million times in the first four rounds. You know, you didn't mention Junior Tillian either. Um, yeah, and I like him. I like Tillian. You know. um, yeah, exactly. The best way to illustrate it might be that usually the the way Steve Steve usually asks us for thirty names, right? And at least for myself, I usually just start by trying to write down every name I can come up with and off the top of my head. And the last couple of years, it's been difficult even to get to like twenty five. <laughs> I get to like, I've been like Travis Lincoln, you know what I mean? Like, hey, we do not. I will not I know, stand by for you. I get to like eighteen. I'm like, I do not care about anyone else in this system. And I sat down to do this. I got to like thirty five names without really trying like oh cool names yeah for context let's see the next outside of the top 10 the next couple of names were hayden sanger calvin ziegler eric orzy jake mangum adam Aller. Uh, we're ranking relievers and stuff here in yeah the 10, backup backup like, catchers and relievers so sanger's been awful yeah we're credit but those at the time that was where they were supposed to be like yeah. that's that's an upgrade, you know? Yep. So, yeah, I mean, the the talent infusion that the system got from from this draft, assuming that majority, uh, basically assuming that everyone signs except for, like, you know, the Jayhaz and the uh, Lovitz's. Uh, well, I might have put Lovitch at 10 if they signed him. No, I don't think he's actually better than Sprout, but it would be more. He's more fun, I think. Like it's for me, it's harder to rank like prep oh, hitters than I, I mean, at least a prep pitcher. Like, okay, if a dude throws 95, it doesn't matter where he's yeah, thrown that 95. Yeah. Yeah. A hitter, there's just so much that it's really hard unless they're like a really high tier, like a Williams. He is a very high tier level guy, you know. Mm-hmm. But he yeah, this is hard. He does contact stuff against high schoolers <laughs> in Texas. Like Parada played way better competition. That's the only reason why I put Parada over him. But like that stuff is still a little different. Like of course you want him to hit that hit have contact rates like that because that's a really good thing and it probably will translate a little bit, but there's always a little bit of a you never know with a prep guy. He, they're just so young. Yeah, yeah. But the system is in much better shape. Assuming that now it doesn't get gutted for all kinds of trades. 
The and only does, the only the only thing out there that's going to gut it is Soto. Yeah, I I, I think everything no, else they do trade wise is going to be okay. Trading that guy was fine. Right. There's nothing. No one else that's purportedly available that's going to cost a, to, a top five prospect in the system. I don't think. Oh, here's hoping. All right, so if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an uh, email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at elvlahos343. Ken is at ken1191. And Thomas is at sadmetseason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you got your podcast from. Rate and review it. And, of course, we thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.